Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. While Gary's talking, you enjoy a picture of the Dead Sea up there? <laughs> our projector is getting fixed. It should be back this week, so we'll be back to not having to switch around up here this morning. But we're going to continue our study from Colossians today. And we're going to also share in communion in a few moments. And you'll see the communion in front of us today. And if you are here today and you know Christ as your Savior, you are a member of the church, the body of Christ, you are welcome to join with us in communion today. And we will serve communion to you a little later in the service. As we, uh, let's pray. Fathers, we open your word. We ask your blessing on your word to us. May we hear your words. May we live by your words. May it draw us closer to you that we may walk with you this week. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Each week I've been putting this in front of you here. Our theme from Colossians chapter 2. Encouraged in heart, united in love, and knowing Christ. And today if you open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, we're going to look at the last part of this chapter and a very important principles for us as believers and members of the family of God, the church, the body of Christ. And I'm going to read to you from the ESV translation today, and I'll tell you why is the reason I'm using that translation today. And normally I preach from the NIV, but today I'm using the English Standard Version, the ESV version. So I'm going to read to you verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from which the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. If you, with Christ, you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So in this passage, Paul is addressing something going on in the Colossian church that this church at Colossae, which is a a place where he has not been personally, but he knows many of these people, of course. Uh, In a sense, he had a part in the founding of the church through those who were saved through his ministry. There is something going on at this church that is causing people to stumble, to fall, to be challenged in their faith. And from this passage here, we can see that it's it's... It's a teaching of what we call asceticism. Do you notice this, this phrase here? The worship of angels. And that in itself is sort of confusing because with the background of this church, which would be a Jewish synagogue and then Gentile believers who came to Christ and they joined together, many of, some, many of these things have legalistic background in the Mosaic law. But Jews did not worship angels. And in fact, the Greeks really didn't worship angels either. And it might be better to see this passage uh, translated, 
the angels' worship of, the worship of God by the angels. And evidently, for example, in this church, there may be those who are telling people, if you really want to worship, you have to worship the way I worship. And the way I worship is I join the angels and worship with them in the worship of God. If you really want to be a mature Christian, if you really want to show that you are saved, uh, you have to eat the things that I eat. You have to keep the fast and the Sabbath days that I keep. You have to do it the way I do it. You have to adhere to the regulations. When it begins here in chapter, in verse 16, where it says, let no one pass judgment. This would be the word that would be used like for an umpire or a referee who makes a call. And that call oftentimes will be a penalty or a disqualification that that, uh, that the player goes through. And so this whole idea here is that people are setting themselves up as umpires. They are making judgments. And they are disqualifying you and you and you and you from being part of the body of Christ or from claiming to be a mature Christian because you're not doing what they are doing. And the verse that I want us to focus on as we come to communion today, especially, and of course the one that really pulls us together in the positive sense, is verse 19. That's what they are doing. But what they aren't doing is they are not holding fast to the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body, which is the church, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. And this idea, he uses this metaphor from from anatomy, from the body, and the words they use here are the, for links, for ligaments and joints. It's sort of metaphorically used in the sense that that the things that, that tie us together, the things that keep our bodies together, connected to the head, these are the things that matter. It's the head and our connection to the head and what joins us to the head. And the reason that I chose the ESV translation today, um, you'll notice that it says, knit together. Now, chapter 2, which our theme is taken from for this passage in verse 2 in the ESV, says the same thing. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Knit together in love. And the translators in several of the translations have chosen the term knit to explain the, the connection between the believers, the body of Christ, and what holds us together and knits us together and connects us to the head, which is Christ. Some of you know a little bit about knitting, right? My wife does, and she doesn't like me talking about it, but um, she, uh, she learned her craft from Lauren, the master teacher, and uh, took lessons from her, and now Teresa works at a yarn shop, and she teaches knitting classes. She has made me some things, but I don't wear them in front of you. You know why I don't wear them in front of you? Because she spends the whole time looking at, it, thinking, "Oh, I, don't wear, why, you know, you know how it is, like you know, because she did it, and uh, she wishes maybe this or that or the other thing, or it's not quite right or something." So I don't wear them in front of you. Um, because I don't want to distract her from what I'm saying during my sermon. Knitting. Um, what do you need for knitting? What? Oh, you weren't really supposed to answer. But I, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, okay? All right? <laughs> because that's not the first thing. Uh, 
but if Lauren said needles, then it is the first thing. So yeah. Uh, what do you need for you? You need yarn, right? Uh, this is not necessarily the right order, but you need you need the yarn. You need the material to knit with. And uh, and, and and the shop where she works is called So Much Yarn, and that's the idea that there's so much yarn there. Um, and like anybody who has a hobby, you probably have so much more than you need, right? <laughs> and you have yarn. You need yarn to knit. Yarn has been uh, processed and colored, and sometimes you go to the state fairs and you watch the spinning wheels and the people doing all this, you know, and think of the whole process of going from the, the animal to the wheel to what you buy off the shelf. You need needles. Now, again, this is maybe not the right order, okay? But you need knitting needles. And as I have just picked up from listening, um, is there are different sizes. There are circular, there are straight. There's all sorts of different knitting needles, okay, that you use to knit with. And at some point, it's probably helpful to use, whoops, it's probably helpful to use a pattern. And I don't have my slide there, but I think it's over there somewhere. Um, it's helpful to use a pattern. Because you could do it in your head and just start knitting, but even if the pattern is not in your head, right? And some of the patterns are very difficult, some are complicated, some are simple, but you need a pattern to knit with. And it's interesting to me that the Apostle Paul uses this concept here, which in several translators and in the, some of the Greek commentators make the same point, that this is a good translation. The word he uses here for putting together comes from the idea of, of knitting. Of, of putting something together with, with effort and so on to, and, to, and to make the product, to make what you're going to produce with knitting. One thing about knitting is that one thing I really didn't pay much attention to until just this past week, actually, and this, this knitting has been going on for years. I should have picked up on this earlier. Uh, I should have picked up on it when every so often we'll come home like from church and a project got left out. And it's all over the floor because our dog decided to help with the project, right? And it's all over the floor. And my wife was knitting a, a, a baby thing, I assume. And um, all of a sudden she said, oh, I used the wrong size needle. I said, okay, well, you know, just make an adjustment. You can't do that. You have to, said, I'll have to take it apart. And my mind is thinking, I've watched this, you know, all this action, right? Putting together. And my mind is thinking, that's going to be a lot of work taking that apart, right? That's how you put it together. That's how you're going to have to take it apart. And then I watched her take it apart, and she just took one of the yarn, the, the thread, the yarn, and just shh, and took it apart. No wonder our dog can do it so easy, <laughs> you know? Just took it apart. It's like that. And the thought occurred to me. I'm not sure how many hours she put into it, but a lot of time putting something together is really easy to take apart. It doesn't take very much time to take it apart. Just ask our dog. It doesn't take much time. And it just made me think about this. As the Apostle Paul is using this analogy here, and he says, they are not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished, knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows. And just the thought occurred to me as we're going to come to communion this morning and thinking about this passage, what the context here, Paul is saying, listen, there's a problem in your church. And the problem is because you are listening to people who are telling you things that are their preferences. 
You know, when it comes to how we as Christians are to live, there are essential matters, right? Uh, Keith was teaching this morning in Sunday school on the topic of sin. And there are essential issues of sin that we cannot just agree to disagree on. It's not okay to steal, right? And you can't disagree to disagree on that. There are essentials of the Christian faith, the deity of Christ, salvation by the blood atonement, which we're going to share in thinking about and meditating on this morning. The fact that God created the heavens and the earth. There are essentials of the Christian faith. There are also preferences. Much of what we've done this morning in terms of, of worship um, is, is preferences. We have, we have preferences on music. We have preferences on food and drink. We have preferences on clothes. We have our own preferences on how we do things, even in our own families. And maybe sometimes in our own families there are different preferences. The Apostle Paul is saying here that there is danger in your church of those imposing on you, for example, saying, if you really want to worship, you have to worship like I worship. We'll worship through the celebration of angels. There are others who are saying, you really have to fast. It's fine if people want to fast. But if I say to you, you have to fast, if you are really going to be spiritual, you have to keep the Sabbath the way I keep it. You have to keep holidays and regulations the way I do, and it becomes very divisive. And then we read the passage this morning that Dwayne read us from Romans chapter 14, which is another passage which talks about relationships in the body of Christ. And in in chapter 14, we have a whole section on how we as believers can affect other people, especially young or new believers, and confuse them by imposing our preferences Upon them. And Paul said in verse 2, one person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. When a person esteems one day better than another, each one should be convinced in his own mind. Verse 7, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. And then he goes on to say this. Verse 16, do not let what you regard as good be spoken of evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. And so as we consider these passages, and I thought about this, how easy it is to take apart, you know, a knitting project and end up all that work in the detail, but it's very easy to take it apart. You just take the thread, evidently, and start pulling it, and it comes apart. And the work that we as a church, and this is not, I'm not talking about our church, but the church, the body of Christ, and every congregation, the work that goes into unifying us, the things that we do together, the study of God's Word, the service, the social, the children's ministry, the youth work, all the things that we do together and all the effort and energy and resources that go into it, it's very easy to take it apart. This is why a theme from this study is the unity that we are to have in love. What is it that that takes apart... We, we have essentials for the church. 
Paul says, don't diminish Christ by forcing your preferences on others. Don't diminish Christ by forcing your preferences, what you prefer that is not an essential matter, by forcing it on others and causing them to question their standing in God or causing division in a church or in a family. Paul says in Romans 14, don't let your preferences cause another person to stumble in their faith. You need a pattern. If you're going to have the yarn and the needles and you're going to make the final garment, you need a pattern. And the Bible tells us that our pattern is Jesus Christ. God has given us a pattern. What did Jesus Christ say? I did not come to be served. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but He came to serve. And God has called us to have that same attitude which was in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but became like us in all ways. Why? So that He might serve and draw us to God Himself through faith in Jesus Christ and His death on the cross at Calvary. And I want to encourage us as a church family today, encourage myself and encourage you as we come to the communion table. We come here united. We are one. We do this together. Yes, you can do this by yourself. You can celebrate the Lord's table by yourself. But the church around the world has a history throughout the ages of coming together as a family, sharing the bread, sharing the cup as a reminder that we are one. And I just want to remind us today as we do so that what can be done to unite us, to draw us together, can be easily undone very quickly. And it's become undone by us becoming very opinionated and very precise in what we believe our preferences are. And Paul says, no, if my preferences, the things that I prefer, if they're going to cause another person to stumble, I can do without those. I will sacrifice that. And my preferences, I must be careful. They are not scriptural. They are not biblical. To impose them on others can cause great damage. It's very easy to undo what has been done. We serve together. We, we work together. We love together. We share together. We give our resources together. We teach together. We lead together. And God is enabling us to continue to build up the body of Christ. These little children that went out here to pour our hearts and resources, to build them up as we watch them grow and serve Him. And God has called us today to be united in love so that what we do never will undo what God has called us. So as we come to the communion table this morning, united and our hearts knit together, God has intricately knit you together with one another. No matter, some of you are newer to our family, some have been here for many, many years. God is knitting us together for His glory, to be knit together to join the head, which is the head of the body, His church, so we can serve Him and love Him and be an example of His humility and service and love that He brought to this world through His death on the cross. I'm going to invite the elders to come forward this time. And we're going to share first together the, the bread today. Remember our Lord Jesus cried the night he was betrayed. He took that loaf of bread. He gathered his disciples and he said to them, I have, I have earnestly desired to eat this last meal with you. I have looked forward to this. He was not looking forward to the cross, but he was looking forward to this meal to eat with them. And he broke that bread and he gave it to them as a representation of his body, which was broken for them. 
And we're going to share this bread together. We're going to serve you the bread and ask that you just hold the bread until the elders come back and we will all eat the bread together. The night our Lord was betrayed, the Gospel of Luke, when the hour had come, he reclined at table and the apostles with him and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And so he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave to them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We have the advantage of knowing the rest of the story. These disciples at the time did not really know. You come and join us when we do the Living Last Supper on Palm Sunday evening and enter into that context. They didn't fully understand this until afterward. Because he passed that bread around and they each took a piece. It represented his body, which he sacrificed. He gave for their salvation and for ours. And he said, whenever you do this, and believers, brothers and sisters in Christ have been doing this for over 2,000 years. We do it in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's eat together in remembrance of Him. Lord, we do thank You that we are one body. We are not just one body here on this corner, but in this shoreline community, and in this Puget Sound community, and in our country. Across the continents, we are one with all of our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are one body connected to the one head, our precious Lord Jesus Christ. And it is good that we have gathered this Lord's Day, the first day of the week, Resurrection Day, to once again proclaim His death and His Lordship over our lives. And that there is no other name under heaven by which anyone can be saved than that of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 5, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He was going to say, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, a choice was made. A free choice. They didn't have to do this. But they chose that the Son, Jesus Christ, would come to earth, live fully as a human, die in my place and yours in the cross of Calvary, and shed his blood. And they made a choice that we may have eternal life. And that free choice that the Trinity made has resulted in your freedom today. You are free from the bondage of sin. You are free to worship God and call Him your Father. And we are free to be members of the church, the body of Christ. And we are free to follow His pattern and choose to be humble and to put others before ourselves, beginning in our own families. And with the family of God, we have that freedom to be humble people and to put others before ourselves. The Lord Jesus Christ said, and the night he was betrayed, he took the cup and he passed the cup around, gave each of them a portion of that drink and said, drink this. It is a reminder that this is the blood of the new covenant which will be shed 
for you. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, the Apostle Paul says, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's proclaim together that Jesus Christ died for you and for me and that he is coming again. Let's drink together and hold the cup for a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you so much today. We can gather as a family of God with all of our diversity and our differences, our gifts, our abilities, our weaknesses, that we are one body. And we are one body and that Jesus Christ is the head of this body. And Father, we thank you for the privilege of being a part of your work and for watching you knit us together through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, through the presence of Jesus Christ, to draw us and to knit us and form us together as we continue to grow, to reach out to our neighbors and friends in our community and invite them to join us and be part of this wonderful body of Christ to receive forgiveness for sins and eternal life. We thank you for that privilege and we pray today that we will continue, each of us, to humble ourselves and put others first that we might continue to show the pattern of our Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and our Savior. And we pray this in His name.